My name is Len Sultana. I run a website called An Englishman in San Diego, which is about predominantly um, a convention which shall not be named here, uh, and also a number of uh, UK and international conventions. And as part of that, I get to speak to some pretty bloody interesting people, including some world-class comic talent, two of which are here, two are on the way. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please welcome on stage Ken Lashley and Liam Sharp, ladies and gentlemen. Come join us, come join us. So what we're here today to talk about the process of making comics in 2018. And I was going to start with this introduction and allow you to introduce yourselves this way for maybe people who aren't aware of your work. Introduce yourself, but could you also tell us what your current process is in terms of are you digital, are you ink? What is your um, process? Because I even read uh, someone uh, the other day who um, actually does his blue pencil work on his... Wacom, and then prints that out and inks on top of that. So he goes the other way to what I would usually think of. We'll start with yourself. Liam, what's, what's your process at the moment? Yeah, so uh, hi, I'm Liam Sharp. Um, um, so, yeah, currently doing Brave and the Bold for DC, and its process is pure old school. Um, very, very traditional. Um, I have flirted with all the um, sort of digital approaches, so I've played a little bit with 3D modeling and um, a lot of Photoshop stuff in the past, but since I've really gone back to pretty much drawing comics full-time, I, I just wanted to do it the old way, and brush and ink, and uh, very old school, you know. But I do them very big. Um, yeah, what, what is this? I mean, uh, what sort of, are we talking watercolor? What, sort, what sort of size are we looking at? Yeah, I, there's a few of us do it this big as like um, uh, Art Adams does them huge, and uh, Frank Cho does them huge, but they're pretty much um, 18 by 22. I mean, they're massive. They're like bigger than twice up, um, which for me suits me because I like to have a certain amount of spontaneity in the inking, and I'm going blind because I'm getting old. You know, so it's like it just gives you more room. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a gestural thing, and I, I, I find when it gets really tiny, I, I lose some energy in it. Uh, a lot of people do thumbnails. I don't. I go straight into the page because, for me, if you're going to do a thumbnail, you might as well do a giant thumbnail. You know? <laughs> and, and also, there's something about the laying out of the page that's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of, that's the kind of real engine of the creative process. That's I think the there's also the detail in the granularity when you go that size as well, when you kind of present, you're putting some real detail in there. Yeah. When it's then presented, it can real... Instead of it being done on a small scale where the, the granularity is really kind of lost when it's printed. But I, but I do really quite loose pencils and an awful lot of the work is in the ink. Um, and I just go at it... Um, Kind of, you've got to be fearless and just. I try to start with a blank page at the beginning of the day and, and a finished page at the end. Um, if I don't finish it, I tend to leave the unfinished pages until right at the end of the book and then go back to all the finished ones just because I feel like the momentum goes. If, I, if I, a page goes over to the next day and I'm finishing a page um, and I start another one, I, I, the momentum is different, it's the flow's different. Uh, so I, it, there's just something about the getting through a page in a day um, for me. Excellent. Ken? Um, I'm, I'm pretty fast. I can do three pages a day. I do, but, but I just do them straight on the board. I love my 17. It's how fast I work. I know that's the size I work at. Um, I don't do any roughs. I just do a really light red, very, very light, and then just go right to it with ink. I, don't, I, draw, I do all the work in ink. Um, it makes editors go crazy because I'll show them a foot, 
and then an hour later, it's a done page. And they're like, how's that happen? I go, don't worry about it. Just print it, right? So, I just, are you are you ink or pen? I'm, I'm a bit of I'm a bit of, a bit both. of both. Like I kind of, if I, I'll do areas that I I want, like say it's a face, I really want an expression. I'll do a little pencil tighter. So, I, but if, but if, if it's like a car in the background, a building, I just do it in ink. Um, so I then move that way. When I do stuff for Hasbro, I'm, I'm, I do a lot of work for Hasbro. So I do the the X Men Legends package art. Um, that's more um, traditional in the sense of like I really do a full pencil than I do an ink because there's approval process that has to go through. Marvel's got to approve at different stages. When I work for Lucasfilm, they kind of let me do my own thing, which is which is cool. Um, so I mean, I have like it's, it's, each company has its own process that I work through. But when I'm doing comic books, it's pretty much just I lay it out really lightly in red, maybe 15 minutes tops, and then I just ink it. Um, the fastest book I've ever done was nine days, and that was. Uh, 22 pages in a cover because that's a, that's a schedule at Marvel. Uh, but um, most of the time, it's I, I do it also because I do other stuff. So I, I don't have time to do six weeks on a book. It just it just I'm, I don't have that kind of patience. So I just get get going. I am quite liking how you two are looking at the screens as if to say, like, okay, which panels has he chosen? What's he gone for here? We have um, ourselves somebody who's going to be joining us, Mr. Jeff Darrow, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning to you, sir. So, yeah, I mean, same question, but for yourself, I'd like to know, because, I mean, it says on your uh, resume you're an artist, but I turned around and called you a goddamn magician, because, I mean, the detail, the sheer level is insane. What's your scale that you work at? What's, what's the boards that you kind of work to? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> In fair, but, well, I, I did this comic called Hard Boiled, and when I was drawing that... They were, they were pretty big, maybe, I don't know, maybe three times up, maybe? But then it was taking me too long. Now I just, they're, they're all kind of regular size. That's something I'm going to come back to because I want to talk about how your styles have evolved. And you, you do put a level of detail into your work. And I'm going to talk about how that, whether it's that level of detail that has made um, that work as good as it is, or if it's the what's got the attention. But uh, we'll, come, we'll come back to that. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Mr. Matteo Scalera, everybody. A round of applause, please. Matteo, welcome along. Uh, as an introduction, we're talking about yeah, your process, about um, digital against um, uh, ink, pen. What is your current process? Oh, for me personally, it's all uh, traditional. Like the digital part. You're looking comes. at a non-digital panel, fantastic. Oh, we're all yeah, we're all traditional yeah. people, yeah. And yeah, the digital part comes only at the end when I have to scan it and send it, basically. And and lately, like I was used to add some contrast to the pages through Photoshop, and I'm not doing that at either now. So I'm just scanning and sending, basically. So my my digital side is like zero. <laughs> when it comes to the actual putting of pages together, I mean, because you are known, I think all four of you, uh, as very much as, uh, creating very iconic panels, very iconic large images. But do you, which part do you enjoy doing? Do you enjoy layouts? Do you enjoy... You know, laying out the page. What, what, what's your element? Personally, my favorite part is the last part, the inking. And uh, Wait for one of you to turn around and say, My favorite part is the cashing of the check. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that, of course. But uh, the second favorite part is inking. And, uh, uh, and right now, the way I'm working, like the, the, the layout phase and the, the pencil phase are becoming shorter and shorter and take 
you know, last time, like my pencils right now are really sketchy because I already know what I want to do in the inking phase. So I just try to go straight to the inking. And I spend more time, like if a page took me, you know, five or six hours normally, like it would be, before it would be like three hours for pencils and three hours for inks. And now it's like one hour and a half on pencils and all the rest for the inks. I'm, I'm enjoying myself a lot doing it. Uh, yourself, I mean, uh, is it, it, what's your uh, process when it comes to actually creating the page when it comes to uh, to panels? I mean, is that something you enjoy? Is that something you like taking on? Or do you, do you, like, do you enjoy the big splash pages? No, I, I, the storytelling's a big part of it. I love the storytelling. It's um, it, the, the challenge of telling something clearly is, um, is interesting. Um, and I think some, sometimes... You can overthink it, and there's there's like tried and tested ways to tell a story, and it, it can be tempting when you set out to try and rethink it all and reinvent the wheel. Um, as you get older, it's like that's pointless. It's just it kind of can get in the way of, of just the story. Uh, but then other times you get a, like a crazy idea for a way to tell it that is pertinent to the story. Um, but still, you think I don't think I've seen this before, and that's really that's rare. But it's exciting when it happens, you know. And then, of course, you you open a comic the next day, and it's like you totally ripped it off and didn't realise you just forgot. <laughs> um, but no, I really I, I love I love the the storytelling process because um, I'm sort of known for detail too, but more like the organic sort of trees and like trees and rocks particularly <laughs> seems to be my thing. Oh, you're the tree and rock guy. <laughs> uh, I, 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 for me as well, the environment is a big part of the story, you know, and, uh, and obviously Jeff, uh, the environment's like as yeah. big a character as uh, any, anybody on the stage in the story. Yeah, with yourself, I mean, certainly with the Black Panther, yeah. it's, you, we've seen some incredible um, storytelling um, techniques being used in that book. I mean, yeah. when it came to these, was it detailed in the script? Uh, I mean, was that something that was uh, off your own back? Yeah, not really. There wasn't a lot of stuff in the script. There was kind of a do your thing. Um, this was a, a book that I was training for my whole life to get, to get my hands on. So when I got a chance to draw Black Panther, it was on. So it was, it was one of those things where you say, well, if you give me this book, it's going to be trouble. And I, and that, so that's just what it was. Um, as far as other stuff goes, I mean, when I, I work digitally. I do have a Cintiq. Um, um, I work for Autodesk, and I do a lot of shows, and I use their programs and travel with it. Um, they were gracious enough to give me a 27-inch HD. Uh, it's a pretty beautiful piece of hardware. Um, and I use it for design stuff only. I mean, just I just... And I do a lot of touch-ups on my pages. Sometimes I forget something or I get wrong reference for something. That's when I use my Cintiq to fix hair and all that kind of stuff. But most of the time, it's, it's just for design work and that kind of stuff. So when I'm designing um, when I'm the X-Men stuff or when I'm working on Avengers 4, you know, I, I do a lot of that stuff there. So We will be coming back to that. Uh, we'll be touching on Avengers 4 shortly, but uh, not yet. the worst job Easy. in the world. Yeah, it's the worst. I, I believe you. Yeah. But I mean, I mostly work, you know, I work half and half. And I actually I have a sort of a psychological break in my studio. I have half the studio is set up for digital and the other half is, is art. So when I'm, facing, when I'm facing this wall, it's all paint. When I turn around the other way, it's all digital. And it's like, you know, I, I, I think it's awesome that guys can have like a computer next to their paint. I, I don't, I just, my brain doesn't work that way. I'll have paint all over my computer. So I just 
I have to physically turn around and go the opposite direction. So when you come in my studio, you either sit on that side or you sit on that side, right? So it, it works for me. And yourself, Jeff? I think also I'm going to sort of like go on to the next question as well at this point. Because in terms of... The, the, we were talking about um, how fast you were producing pages. How fast does it take to produce the pages that you do? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I... <laughs> uh, how many people are familiar with Jeff Darrow's work? How many people have uh, hard boils? Two people. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. If you've seen, well, when you see it go by, you see the level of detail that uh, Jeff puts into the, his well, work. Well, I really kind of started in uh, Europe, um, in France, and they don't produce a lot of material there. I mean, Mobius was kind of the Jack Kirby of. Uh, France, and then he would do maybe two, maybe three, what they call albums a year, and that'd be about, I don't know, maybe 100 pages of material, and that was a lot. Most guys do like one, and um, that's kind of where I was at. I mean, I, I, I've gotten a lot faster, but uh, I can maybe do a page, probably take me like a couple days now, but it used to take me, like I... I worked in these Matrix movies, and um, I think you had one of these drawings. Yeah, they're coming. I'm waiting for them to come around so you I can see I them. I think I spent a week on, on that thing. trying. Here we to, go. Uh, <laughs> all, well, that, uh, that, that's all garbage. Most I of like it, that one. Anyway. <laughs> it's Gamera. He's the friend of all children. Anyway, it's a pretty bad drawing. But that one, that one's okay. So, I mean, yeah, the, the Matrix, I mean, I know that... Um, the, the then brothers were attracted by the that level of detail and the the, the fact that you, you kind of you see it from a distance and it almost becomes kind of like this this beautiful kind of pattern from a distance but then you get real close in and you see this level of intensity and I mean how long did something like that take to produce? Oh, that that was pretty fast. That's like yeah? three hours maybe because that's just it's just a car and a. A guy kicking a car. That is, yeah, yeah it's yeah, iconic yeah. stuff, isn't it? That's something else. But I mean, <laughs> I, 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 but I mean, you know, uh, you guys are probably running into this because uh, when I talk that to, thing, well, that thing, yeah, that actually, thing. They built that thing, and, and I, they took me onto the <laughs> set, and I couldn't believe they actually built that thing. I mean, they built that whole thing, to, to, and that—that's the first drawing I ever did. Excuse me. And, and when no, 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 no. When, 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 I, when, when I did that thing, I was living in, in, in uh, Normandy, France, and it was the days of fax machines, and uh, I, I reduced it way down, and I put it in a fax machine, and I faxed it to them, and the Wachowskis, they, they were laughing because when it was coming out, it was like, dick, 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 dick. It took like, I don't know how long it was, but they were laughing because it was just, you know, not like now, it was just dick, dick, dick. But that that one took that one was hard because it's it's uh, you would, when you do have to you draw a machine and you want to you want to make it seem like it was manufactured so it has to be repetitive you can't you know like oh I'm going to make this part different from this part different from this part unless you're like in a Mad Max world but that was something that was actually supposed to be manufactured so I had to repeat that same complicated thing like thirty times in perspective and I was like driving me crazy even these three are just like. Wow. It's just, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought, they'd fi- I thought they were going to fire me after that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so what's your kind of turnaround? I mean, like you were saying, like um, pencils and a page a day, did you say? Uh, page and a half a day. Page and a half a day. Uh, for yourself, Ken, I mean, what, you, yeah, about? Uh, really depends on the project. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of you, it's about 10 to 14 days a book. 
So and it's you don't have time to think. So it's two day two two pages a day. So you got to make your decisions to just go, you know. And and I, I kind of like it that way to be honest with you because uh, I'm doing other stuff. So I don't have six weeks. I just rather just get it out of the way, you know. And they don't know the difference to be honest with you. I mean, fair enough. Oh, they just go, oh, it's cool, it's printed, let's go. <laughs> I'm kind of glad we've got to Liam last on this one because um, I'm a big fan of Brave and Bold, which you're, you're currently doing, but you're doing uh, the writing on that. Uh, yeah, it's the writing, yeah. pencils and inks. Yeah. I mean, how long has it taken to produce Brave and the Bold then? And also, can you detach the writing from the art section? Do I, you I kind totally of... detached the writing yeah. from the art. I wrote it as if I was writing it for somebody else, and then when I read the script, I thought, this... <laughs> make me draw all this stuff you have to write it uh, in a way that um, if you don't do that then it's, it'd be too tempting to cut corners and cheat you know and to just do the things that you really like and that's not how you should do a comic you know you have to you have to tell the story and that means you have to put everything in whether you want to draw it or not you know uh, very quickly about the... Your, uh, I do like asking this question about your uh, studio setup. I mean, you were saying it's very half and half. And also about your kind of work process. I mean, are you a, a nine-to-five bunch of guys? Do you, I, I know that there are a number of artists that kind of go, OK, if I do make it a nine-to-five thing, then I can plan out my day. And I also have weekends off. And yeah. Uh, for me, it changed a lot in the last few years because I was used... To, I wanted to have... My, my, my tactic was to have a lot of my stuff on the shelves at first, when I was pretty unknown. So I was used to work like 14 to 16 hours a day, every day, even Saturday and Sundays. And now I'm just working Monday to Friday, seven, nine hours. I would say I'll start at eight, and I finish around five, six, something like that, with a, with a lunch break. So everything is pretty cool. Sound, soundtrack in the studio? No, I used to listen to a lot of uh, political talk shows and stuff like that. I love because for me, it's like having people around me talking, and I, I prefer that. It makes me feel, you know, not alone in this world. I can't remember which panel it was over the weekend. Someone turned around and said they had uh, the sound of Starbucks playing. There's a there's a, a Spotify playlist where it kind of is just the background, a coffee shop in the background, just so it feels. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. But the other thing that I listen to is some, uh, I don't know, like uh, some TV shows like Friends, when you don't have actually to necessarily to watch it, but you can recognize the voices so you know who's talking because you know the characters. Background noise. Yeah, it's basically background <laughs> noise, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Liam, uh, your, your working day and... Uh, yeah. Actually, pretty much the same, start around eight. Um, and, I mean, on the Brave and the Bow, there's some pretty intense detail in there so I have been long working really long days up to sort of 12 hours but I never go past seven or eight I mean eight to the latest you, you, there, there's a point we were talking about this yesterday there's a point like if you just do it when you when you start out you kind of work late and you end up finishing it if I was left alone in the house I would sort of work later and later and get up later and later my days would get longer um, and you start going to bed at like Six in the morning, yeah, uh, you know, and then you miss the whole of the next day, and you're broken for about three days, and you and it, you don't you don't actually cover any ground. So I, I do. I have a hard stop. You know? I, I, when the people I've spoken to about that kind of starting and doing almost like a nine to five, as it were, it's, it gives a sense of discipline, uh, as yeah. it were, to kind of this is when the day starts. I can. And it's a, yeah. For me, I just found I, I yeah. cover the ground like sure. that. I just get through it. I, 
But these two, on the other hand, are looking as if to say, what? Uh, so, yeah, but what's, is it? Man, if, if I could work nine to five, that would be sick. But that's, <laughs> that's just so not my, not, not my life. I just, it's like I stop spurt, stop in spurts and, you know, I get there at nine, eight, eight o'clock, nine, I take my kids to school or I pretend to take them to my day to school. My wife does it. But, uh, but you know, I, I get up with them. I'm there in spirit. But, uh, and then I just, I, I just work until whatever's done is done. And then I, I give myself um, at 11 o'clock. But I love the witching hour. The witching hour is my favorite when everyone's gone to bed and it's quiet. I love that. I mean, I listen to music during the day, but when there's no one in the house, I, I, I could work in my studio for 10 hours with no music on, nothing. I just like the, that piece of quiet. So it's more a case of working until the job's done rather than... Well, the, the, okay, to be honest, it's like you have a Hasbro gig, you got a Lucasfilm gig, and you, and you have a, a comic gig, and you got to get it done by Friday, and it's Tuesday. I mean, I would love to work 9 to 5. That'd be awesome, but um, I'm a bit of a... I like a lot of stuff. I like having lots of stuff to do during the course of a week, so I'll always go, oh, let's do some package art, and then I'll, do, I'll switch gears, and I'll, I'm working on a GeForce cartoon designs for... Um, so I'm working on that, and then you know, working a little bit of Star Wars design. So it's it's good to change gears, but each one expects kind of a full day of work, right? So you kind of have to get three hours worth of work. I mean, make two hours seem like six per client. So it, it is it can be a long day, but I like what I do. At only times, I've noticed this is how I really survive. I, I don't put anything in my schedule that I don't like. And that's the only way. If I don't like it, I'm not going to find I know my body will just say, you don't want to draw that. So just stop doing it. I was working on Secret Six, and my body was saying, "This is not a book for you." And I made and my and I willed that to be true. Like I just said, eventually I just said, "I can't do this book anymore." I just, my body tells you, you gotta just listen. I, w- I was going to come back to that as well because that um, sense of how much ownership you have over a project, and indeed how much investment you have in in something like that. Uh, Jeff, I mean, what's your kind of uh, daytime process or is it a case of just well when you wake up when you go to well, sleep no I, I get up i'm at my board about five in the morning turn on the television hoping that uh, donald trump has either choked to death on a cheeseburger or melania's so around that time he's him. on the toilet saying something yeah, well, i always hope he's head down in the toilet but uh, <laughs> and then i you know i, I work until i don't know six thirty, and then because i don't you know, I mean, I, yeah, I used to, I used to, I, I started doing it because when my daughter was born, I wanted to be able to spend time with her and I would stop and take her to school and then come back and work and then try to be done by five thirty six so that I could, you know, play with her. And now she's off to, off to school so I can do what I want. But I work like seven days a week. I, I, I really don't know what to do if I don't, uh, like my wife, I can't go on vacation. We go on vacation in two days, and I'm ready to put a bullet in my head because I don't know. You know, because I lived in France, we'd go to the beach, and everybody goes, "Oh, come see bien, see oh, c'est super," and they're talking about how great it is, and I'd be sitting there, yeah, I don't know. If some, some gamma came out of the water and killed a bunch of people, that'd be interesting. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to take a vacation anymore. Fair enough. Um, we are going to want uh, some questions from you guys as well, so do start thinking of any questions that you want to put to the guys. I'm going to uh, ask one more, and then I'll uh, kind of open it up to you guys. Um, I want to talk about the, like I say, the ownership of your work, and also how you feel once you've submitted the page. In terms of, I mean, we've seen um, re-editions of books where um, artists have gone back, they've changed some details, they've 
done some bits and pieces, have changed what they feel they need to change. And then you have, uh, say, for example, um, a couple of my favorite artists where they just go, no, that's the board, I've done it, I've scanned it, and it's gone. How much ownership do you have over your work once it's finished? Well, for me, it's an easy answer because uh, I own the project that I'm yeah, working on. There is on, that as so well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the do, do, do you change anything when it gets to trade? Uh, no, no. Sometimes if we decide that on the dialogues there's something that's not really working, sometimes we change it. But it's, after all, no, we, we don't change anything. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I don't feel like, like a job anymore because we're building up something. So anything I do, we've decided previously talking through Skype with Rick Remender, the writer of Black Science. So it's basically, I don't know, it was already there and I'm just putting it into images, you know? So it's, uh, and it's, I, I really... I quite like it because I wasn't used to work that way. I was used to, you know, be hired by a company and do whatever I was told to do. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you see an eventual end to black science? Or no, 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 absolutely. It it's about to end. Oh, wow. It's, okay. Yeah, it's going to be over with issue number 42. And I'm about to finish issue number 38. So it's four more issues. So you're seeing a kind of the finish line. Yeah, yeah. And it helps. Like, it helps. I mean, I'm kind of sad because, it, I mean, I've been working on that book for five years now. So it's and it's uh, it's going to be more than a thousand pages. And it's kind of sad. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's a closure to a five years, you know, experience. And it's uh, it's it's good. It's good. It feels good. Yourself, Liam, uh, when it comes to ownership, and also, uh, what's your uh, take on, like uh, Matteo was talking about, that closure of a certain run? Do you like ongoing books, or do you like kind of like six-page, uh, six-issue kind of arcs? I, I, I do like an arc. I like something to have a beginning, middle, and end, you know, and for it to be able to be a, like a satisfying thing that you can put on the shelf and be like done with. Um, but it. it it's really the case. If you're working f for hire, it's not your thing. Yeah. Well, it's once it's gone, it's, right. it's off. But I have to say, like DC particularly, with Brave and the Bold, they've, they've been startlingly like, like, this is your thing. We're, we're here to help you tell this story as well as you can. How much of that did you get on Wonder Woman? They, they're really? really inclusive, so uh, you know the, it, it used to be really different. You'd send the pencils, you wouldn't even see the inks. You wouldn't, and, and there could be a real, like, a massive shift in the quality from the pencils to the final thing. You'd be like, I don't even recognise this anymore. <laughs> Just the colour choices, you know. You'd have a very, you'd even send notes occasionally that would never make it through a certain kind of, you know, especially if you designed a character and this guy's white and he's got blue stripes, and they come back and he's bright orange, and you're like, no. He's from the he's from the north in the ice, you know. It's like why why orange? Uh, but uh, yeah, for the Brave and the Bold and for Wonder Woman, the the, the process has been really um, inclusive, and that's right down to with the lettering and the lettering artist. <coughs> uh, everyone's had to sort of say at the editorial level. It's it's quite a, it's quite a shift, and I, I I think they're on the money with that approach because because you get to see every you get to feedback and do tweaks before the thing goes out, you know. 
I mean, I can imagine for yourself, Ken, it's slightly different because at the end of the day, you are doing a lot of work, say, for example, for hire, as it were. It's kind of, there is that kind well, of, have, you create a finished piece and it's... Yeah. it's well, um, one of the things that I'm doing now, I have two IPs in development at Hasbro. So, I mean, it's like I have things that I'm doing for myself. But I also am I'm doing a lot of work. I'm doing on the new Milestone relaunch with Reggie Hudlin. I'm doing Icon and Rocket. And that feels, and, and I wasn't going to... I was doing X-Men and Jim Lee called me and we talked and he was talking about, you know, we're not going to do this if you're not going to come. And, and it was it was difficult to make that decision because X-Men was the book that I've dreamt of doing my whole life. But X-Men wasn't, it wasn't my book because the rotation of artists and we're doing it. It really felt like I was part of it, but not really part of it. And I was doing all the covers, but <clears throat> it wasn't, I didn't feel connected to the book. So um, after six months of talking, I decided to leave. I decided to go into D.C. And the same thing, pick your own team, pick your colorist. You know, what do you want to do? Work with the editor that you really like working with. You know, what do you want to do here at D.C.? And you felt like that's like a home. Like you, it, was, it was a great opportunity for me to, you know, um, do the things that I want to do in a way, in the style that I, I, I think it should look good. And even with um, um, just like little things like getting people approved to work on your project in five minutes as opposed to going through paperwork and other stuff, just things that just irritate you, that you just don't want to deal with. And that's where I'm at. I'm very, I'm very glad to be working. And Hasbro, I have a 15-year relationship with Hasbro. They're like, they're friends. They've been to their wedding. So when working on certain things, they just go, hey, do your thing, Ken. Do you want to tell the, ex the, the Avengers 4 story? Uh, this is the craziest story. Okay, so um, I, I, go, I work with Hasbro a lot. I do all the packaging art for G.I. Joe. And I'm even a G.I. Joe. I have my own G.I. Joe. I'm, I'm a character called Burnout, and I have long dreadlocks. I'm very sexy. Um, so, uh, so it's so we do this. We so I they want to fly me in for this meeting, and I think it's very strange. They don't. We talk all the time. I don't need to be there, but they really want to be there. So I go, I go to this me meeting. I fly in, and and it's about Avengers Four. So I go, okay. So this is about three months before Black Panther comes out. So I'm sitting in the office, and they go, okay, is this is what we want you to, to talk about. What time, what time was this? 7 o'clock in the morning because they work early. <laughs> they get in there early and you think, wow, these guys are really hardcore. They get in early. No, they get in early so they can leave at 3. That's how it goes. So you get in at 7 o'clock. They, they push the button. And the first graphic they showed me was these are the characters that survived to uh, Avengers 4. And I was like, what the? <laughs> and it was like, what? You know, my brain just, you know, no, there was no prep. There was no like, okay, this is, we're going to show you some stuff now. It's like, no, this is the, because they, 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 they've seen them. They've seen it for a year. So they pushed the button. I was like, and then it was like, they pushed the button like two minutes later to the next moment. I went, no, 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 go back. And where's the black guy? <laughs> you know, and it was just one of those, it was a crazy moment. And it was, was crazy about it was over the next two or three days as I'm working on the, on the thing that I was working on. You realize who's not there every time you do a drawing. You go, oh, we're, oh, that guy's dead too. Oh, oh, oh. You, you, every every twenty minutes there was a new thing, and then they showed me all the concept work for four. So I saw all that stuff, and you piece together what's what what's how it's gonna well, how it's gonna work out. But um, but here's the saddest part: my daughter doesn't want to know. None of my people in my circle want, and I can't tell them anyway. But my daughter was like hardcore. Don't tell me because years ago, the last time they flew me there for something sensitive. They asked, uh, the guy who I work with, he works on Star Wars. So he told me, do you want to know what happens in Force Awakens? I go, no, I don't want to know. Just go back to your office. He goes, no, I want to tell you something. I goes, I'll tell you one thing. I said, just tell me one thing. He goes, Han Solo dies. 
No. What kind of person? There's no burying the lead there. And I just said, <laughs> I, honestly, I said, what kind of person are you? Okay. So I, so like, a, like a, so then I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, so I call my wife right after. And she's like, well, how's the meeting? I go, it's great. Guess what? She goes, what? Han Solo dies. And, she's, and so she calls me back, and she's like, and I hang up the phone. She calls me back, and she goes, what kind of person are you? I go, isn't marriage about sharing? Isn't marriage about sharing? Isn't that what it's about? That's what it's about. But this is the kind of relationship I have with these guys. They're, they're, they're good people. But um, um, all I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you one thing. You have to see Ant-Man before you see number four. Don't, man. Okay. I'm As everyone in the, in the UK probably knows... We're getting Ant-Man a full month after the Americans. I'm just telling you. Thank you very much indeed, World Cup. I'm we really appreciate you. that. Thank you. We'll but, know more yeah. after okay. that. There we go. I'm just um, telling you. Just to cycle back before we open up to questions. Yeah, to the, the question about uh, your ownership of uh, books. And certainly when it comes to, say, something like Hard Boiled, where you've created these uh, issues and then you then go to trade, where do you kind of then say, okay, I'm done. That's it. I can draw the line and let the book just fly. Well, with Hard Boiled, it was Frank Miller because he, uh, on the third one, it, it, it's probably the only comic, it doesn't end the way I wanted it to end. Because I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but at the end there's like this huge fight and there's all these people are killed and wiped out. And I was going to draw everything. You were going to see it, him kill all those people. I wanted to do this thing where it start out with like a splash page, and each page there'd be from one panel to two panels to three panels to four panels to five. And I wanted to get there so many panels on a page that by the time you were done looking at it, you would have a headache. So He's still feel, drawing so it now. Would, so you would feel like that guy did at the end when he gets beaten by those. But Frank goes, you got to stop. And so I did what I call the Hanna-Barbera ending, which was I used to work at Hanna-Barbera Animation, and they were so cheap. And whenever there was any action, it would be uh, like, like Shaggy would be like, like Wild Scoob, that plane is crash full and it's full of dinosaurs. And they would never show the crash, so they'd just shake the camera and you'd see some dinosaurs standing near some wreckage because they didn't want to pay for it. So I did one double page spread with a bunch of dead people, and that was my hard boiled Hanna Barbera. Oh, look over there. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah so. But for the most part, I, I like on these Shaolin Cowboy comics. I add pages. Nobody's ever noticed, but I add pages so that there's no breaks in between them. So you can, I mean... That, that was going to be the other project to bring because obviously that's your project. It's, it, that was, where, does, where well, do you let it go? Even yeah. Frank just let me go. He was scared of me. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, let's uh, open up. If anybody has any questions, we've got a, a couple. I think I'm going to wander around at this point. We've got one at the back there. One, two, two, thank you. One at the back there, and we'll come to you first. Go for it, sir. Your name and the question. Hi, uh, my name's Joel. And so, from my perspective, comic books, there's kind of like a split. So you either read comic books digitally or you read them um, from an actual book. I'm thinking, for the future, do you think there'd ever be a convergence? So, for example, like reading comic book partly through your phone as a viewer while you also have the book. It kind of merges together. It's a... Well, I'm, I'm, I've been involved in a company that did a lot of that stuff, a company called Madefire that I co-founded. So we did um, experiment with all sorts of um, storytelling, motion books, as our CEO coined the phrase. Um, 
it added sound. Uh, for, for me, it's a different medium. It's not really comics. Um, but I like the idea that it, you, that we, sh- if we're going to move into a digital area, we should definitely play with it at least. We shouldn't just be completely like, you know, we shouldn't cut off our noses to spite our faces, and we should find out what those uh, edges are and, and what what we can do. And actually, we've done some stuff with Oculus, so we've done 3D comics that literally you're in inside the story. Um, <clears throat> stuff with the sk- sky domes where you're inside, you know, an environment that is suitable to the story reading, which sounds like it, it completely gimmicky, but actually if you're on like an aeroplane or something like that, it's quite nice to have this massive space around you, you know, and not feel, especially if you're a bit claustrophobic, you can actually be, you know, you can be really in, a, in your own sort of environment and reading whatever you want. There, there is, there's room for it, you know. Um, uh, I know that I know Brian Habelin's doing stuff with his comic anomaly, with, where you know certain pages will trigger 3D stuff so if you put your phone over the top of it. There's a lot of people playing around with it. Um, you could be really purist about it, but I just think you know, th- comics for me are, are full of the most uh, imaginative writers and artists on the planet. And if we just say no, it should only be on paper, then we're just yeah, we've just been dumb. Why would we do that? The possibilities are endless. Excellent stuff. So we've got a couple of uh, questions here. Uh, we'll start here and then go back. Excellent stuff. Uh, your name and your question, sir. Hi, my name is Ronan. Uh, I was wondering uh, what you think of, again, a question about the digital space, but more, you know, as we go forward, it seems like that's becoming more popular. And um, people buy single issues sometimes. Sometimes you can subscribe. I was wondering what your thoughts are as to the future of the industry. As in, as digital, paper is always going to be there, I think. But you know, we are going increasingly digital. You know, is it going to be? Are we looking at subscription services? Are we looking at paper issue? Are we? I mean, what, what do you guys think? I think that also relates as well to how the, a story is told as well. Again, this is probably. I feel like I'm hogging this now, but this is—we've been literally looking at this stuff for like the last six, seven years through a made file. Um, it's never going to replace print. I think what's really nice is that people have, where everyone was really worried and, and terrified, especially the retailers of the digital world coming in and spoiling it. It didn't really affect the sales. The, the prints actually went up a little bit in the in, over the last few years as digital has been adopted. I think what is happening is people are often uh, reading digitally and then getting trades. The trade market is growing. I, I don't really see a problem with that. I like the trades too. There's a point when you're collecting comics where you just end up with a garage full of like just long boxes full of stuff you can never get to. Welcome to my world. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, and also I think the other nice thing about digital is you, don't, you, you can have access to comics anywhere. So even if you don't have a local comic shop, you can, you can find a way in that way. Um, and we need to be getting more people invested in reading comics all the time. So all the different ways in are, for me, they're just like a gateway drug to, you know, to the, to the paper. Excellent. Thank you. I, I lived in, in Japan for a year, and I have a lot of friends that draw comics over there. And a lot of those guys, they, they drew phone comics, and it was stuff you wouldn't see anywhere else. You had to, it was tied into a pachinko game or, uh, or Nissan noodles, and they would do these 40-page comics that you'd get if you, da, da, da. 
and that was their like bread and butter money because the, you're drawing actual manga over there unless you're uh, you know Akira Toriyama or Otomo you're not you don't they don't make a lot of money thank you very much indeed I think we've got time for just one last question Are your name any questions sir hi I'm Chris um, I was wondering is it a hard decision to sometimes sell some of your original pages online or th through art dealers I say I say this because I was at I was at Liam's um, exhibition in Derby um, last summer, and I was really quite relieved when you had the Wonder Woman 23 pages on the screen there of like Aries, like oh thank God he didn't sell those at least I could. Uh, that one was sold. It was lent to me for the show. Oh, <laughs> I was just wondering. So yeah, is it is it a hard decision to sell some of your original pages, especially ones you're proud of? Some some pages are hard to let go, but sometimes you got to, you know, you need you might need a deposit for a house or a new car or whatever it's, it's, it's like you, you, practicality demands that you, you you sometimes need money um and 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 the, unfortunately that means you generally have to sell your favorite babies you know i i have no problem selling it because i just don't it's 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 work for hire so most of it is, is stuff it's my own stuff it's still next to my desk the stuff that I do for X-Men, you know, it's, there's a couple of pages in there that I, I, I would love, a couple of covers that I would love, but most of it is, and to be perfectly honest with you, this is something that a lot of people don't know, is that there's a, a group of dealers who will contact me and say, once I've announced on a project, will contact me and ask to buy issues before, I'm, before I've drawn them, you know, so, so you sometimes I always say no, and for years they didn't sell my pages, and then you have 2,000 pages in your house. And then you realize, I should have sold some of these. Uh, and then you do. That's it? Yep. For me, there's no problem selling any of my stuff. Like, because for me, once I've done it, yeah. I, I've done it and I'm happy with it. And it will stay with me forever. Even if I sell that page, I know that it's I was... It's like a, an artifact that you're, you're looking backwards instead of yeah. looking uh, forward to future work. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, uh, once I put it on the paper... It means that it, if, even if I really like what I did, I've already understood what I did, so it's, it's in me. So that piece of paper can go because yeah. in that page I've understood something that I will bring to other pages. So it's not a problem to get rid of that and just give it away to somebody. And plus, it makes me happy to know that somebody appreciates my stuff and wants it in his house. So I'm, I'm happy. You, you heard aside, the, you heard the words give away then, didn't you? Oh, no, yeah, I know. I, I mean, heard it. I in, heard it. Not in a sense, but... And, and it's not a matter of money, really. I mean, I mean, it helps, for sure. But uh, it's, it's, I'm just happy when I see somebody that wants to own some of my stuff. And I just... Especially if I see that the guy's looking at something in particular, like some specific panel or stuff, and not necessarily a splash page or of whatever, Batman... And he just picks a page with a particular thing in that, maybe a car that he likes in that panel. Yeah. That's what makes me happy. So I'm more than happy to, to sell myself. And yourself, Jeff, when it comes to selling these masterpieces that you produce. Sorry, I am going to continue blowing smoke well and truly up your ass for the yes, uh, yeah, any opportunity I get. I'm going to float away in a second. Uh, yeah, you know, I... Uh, I've kept a lot of this, because I don't do that much, but I, I like the hard-boiled and the stuff I did with Miller is nearly all gone. I was, some I sold, some of it I gave it away. I, the one thing I gave I gave away, because I, I love Sam Raimi, 
and I got invited to his house for some dinner. It's like this super dinner. There's Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell showed up and John Woo. And I was like, holy shit, man. And I thought I had to bring him something. So I brought them the covers of this hard-boiled comic, number three. It's this one where there's a guy with a hole through his head and you can see through the hole and you see that. And I gave that the front and the back cover to him and his producer. And a year later, it showed up in The Quick and the Dead. They, yeah, he actually yeah, totally did the is. shot. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, there you go. So, but, but yeah, I, I, I guess I, I don't do that much. I give it to my daughter because I don't, I just don't produce a lot of stuff. I make a lot of pencil drawing. A lot of the movie stuff, they, you know, the movie stuff now, everybody, well, yeah, but now I still draw on paper. And they think everybody draws on digital. So now when I work on a movie, they think it's all on computer. So I still have all the drawings. I, even some stuff for Disney. And uh, so that's kind of nice. Uh, I, I gave a friend of mine uh, a, a, a birthday present. He's not in comics, didn't collect comics, but he liked Spider-Man. So I gave him a, a Spider-Man splash that I did. And uh, he, he seemed happy with it. But I went around his house like a month later, and he just stuck it on the wall with blue tap. <laughs> I love that. I, 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 was at a, I was at a show in, in, in New York, and, and these two little girls came out. They were so cute with their dad, and they were just, they're looking at these drawings I did, and they were so, oh, 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 and I gave them to them, these original drawings, right? They, they, they were so happy. They came back an hour later, and they colored them with crayons. And I was like, that's it. That's it. And I go, oh, how could they do that, man? I go, that's what you do when you're a kid. That's the best thing. That's the best compliment anybody could pay you. Anyway. That's a fantastic way to fish. We could keep going because I'm certain there's more we could talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, please put, you put your hands together for Jeff Darrow, Ken Lashley, Liam Sharp, and Matteo Scalera. Thank you very much indeed, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed your, your time with us, and I hope you did as well. And enjoy the rest of MCM London, everybody. Take care. Thank you very much indeed.